Hi, I'm Anna Harris. Welcome to our podcast. Please join us as we talk to experts, ministers, and prophetic voices from around the world on topics relevant for today. I hope you enjoy this message. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today for the podcast. My guest today is Stefan Kruger. And so if you heard the podcast last time, um, we had I had his wife on uh, as a guest. And today I'm talking with Stefan. Uh, we talk about all kinds of things, mostly focused on the father heart of God and on really reimagining your faith. And maybe even where some things have gone wrong in the evangelical church. And so there's a lot of good uh, meaty topics that we that we touch on today. And I think you're going to really enjoy it. Stefan is originally from Germany, and he and his wife, Lisa, live there now, and they head up a ministry called Awake Europe. They have a ministry school. They are amazing teachers, and I think you're really going to enjoy the talk that I have have um, with Stefan. Welcome, Stefan. I'm so happy to have you on here. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's a, it's a pleasure to be with you, Anna. Uh, really looking forward to, to see what God is going to do today. And um, it's just great to be with you. Yeah, thank you. So I was thinking about it today. I've actually known um, you for sure and, and Lisa for almost as long because way back when I was starting my school of ministry, you had planted a school. And yeah. so I was going to you for some uh, wisdom and advice mm -hmm. and you were so sweet to give me, you know, answer <laughs> my questions. And, and then um, I had you and Lisa come and minister at the school and the church and which was um, amazing and yeah. fun. And I just really, you know, love hearing from y'all because you're always, you're always studying and, you know, with the, with the latest, whatever God is doing, you know, and I, I just love that. So, um, so, but could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your, the ministry that you guys have now? It will be a pleasure to do so. Um, I was just, um, a, a couple of days ago, I had to write something for our studies and I was, you know, contemplating on, on how all these things started and, and obviously, um, God is working in our lives, you know, our whole lives, you know, not just when we uh, acknowledge him or whatever you want to call it, get born again. But uh, for me, that was in, in 1994. And um, when the Toronto blessing or movement or revival was in, in full swing, and I had no clue about that because I was in the techno scene. I was smoking dope and um, trying to have a good time, but always feeling like the, I was missing out. And uh, and my mom and my dad had just gotten saved and they were always talking about Jesus. It drove me up the wall. It was like, <laughs> stop it, you know, yeah. just please. And then a friend of mine came home with me and um, was in, in high school together. We we're in high school together and he is big bear. I mean, I'm a big guy, but he was like, he was in the national team in judo and and he had also skin problems. And uh, and uh, so my, my mom looked at it because my sister was struggling with the same thing. And she said, well, have you tried this and that? And he was like, okay, sounds good. And then she said, well, you know, well, we can also pray for you. Hmm. And and he was like, wow, is this really possible? And I was like, oh, no, mom, come on, leave my friend alone. I want to, you know, and uh, and he was so intrigued that basically he started asking my mom all these questions about God. And then she told him that there was like an evangelistic meeting in Stuttgart where, you know, close where we are. And to make a long story short, we went there. And um, I tried to upset my mom with other stuff before just to give her the feeling that I was still in control. And uh, as you do when you are mm -hmm. afraid. And, uh, and I had a full-blown Trinitarian encounter in that meeting. I, wow. I, Jesus stood next to me. I, I couldn't see him, but he started talking to me while the preaching was happening. I mean, it was amazing walking into the church. It was 
for Germany, it's a mega church. It's about two thousand people probably in the, in in the in the building, and uh, it was not a church building. It was a, uh, a a hall where they were doing all kinds of other stuff, and 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 the worship was going on, and people were jumping up and down and worshiping, and I thought they were all on ecstasy. I honestly thought they were all on drugs. Wow. And uh, it was amazing. And we looked at each other and we thought, well, they're, they're all on the pill because, you know, <laughs> that's that's how it looked like when we were yeah. in the club and people were, you know, popping and pills. And that, and by the way, so in in that context, you know, Jesus started talking to me. He said, Stefan, do you want to give me your life? Do you want to start over again? And this time with me in the lead. And at the same time, I could, I could uh, physically feel fire all over my body. It was everything was touch, you know, like burning, like sensation, and yeah. and it was not painful, but it was it was amazing. And then, at, in the same time, there was a purple cloud that I could physically see hmm. coming towards me. Ha. Wow. And and uh, by the way, when I'm doing these noises or I'm I'm jerking, it's mostly the Holy Spirit touching me and my body reacting to it. But um, ah, but what what happened was like that cloud was coming closer and closer and closer. And it was mm -hmm. the perfect love of God. It was the love of the Father. Wow. And so I met Jesus. I, Jesus talked to me. The Father came and embraced me with his love, in a sense, and the Holy Spirit's fire came upon me. And mm, That's amazing. And all was, at once. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was all it was a, it was an incredible encounter I had. And then they called that forward to, to you know, to pray or sinner's prayer. And and then they teamed me up with a guy and um, he was an amazing, incredible counselor. He he didn't push, but he um, he invited me to go deeper. So he said, um, do you want the Holy Spirit? And uh, after he had checked out that I had been saved, so he was like, do you want the Holy Spirit? And I was, you know, I was like, well, does it cost anything? <laughs> and he's like, no, it's for free. <laughs> so if you're wondering if the Holy Spirit costs anything, you're listening to that. He, he is willing to come wherever you are and his love the father's love he's willing to come paid a high price for that and i said okay well now i ask and it's free i can't really say no and so the guy prayed for me laid hands on me and i got baptized in the spirit i started speaking in tongues half an hour after i got saved it was just amazing for wow. me that was it was Were you like raised in church at all no no no, no. I, I grew up lutheran uh, which basically meant i you know, got baptized as a baby and then confirmed as a teenager. And in between, we went to church once a year at Christmas, uh -huh. which wow. didn't mean a lot. It was just a, it meant, you know, we had family time, but but it didn't it ha didn't have any spiritual implication for my life or didn't I didn't encounter God or know about, you know, that he loved me or that, you know, he wanted to be part of my life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So this encounter was really your first introduction yeah. to christianity yeah. then yeah in a way it was it's amazing we, yeah. a couple of weeks before i had an encounter with the devil it was just an amazing <laughs> time i mean we were <laughs> i mean <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. we it, it was incredible but it was so clear i mean it was so clear that the enemy was being forced in a way to reveal himself and uh, I had a vision. I was in the car. I was uh, had smoked some dope, and and I had a vision of the enemy. And he looked at me and he pointed his finger at me and it's like, if you keep on doing what you're doing, you will be mine. Wow. And, and it scared the socks off me, but it um, I didn't know what to do. So you mm -hmm. smoke more dope because that's what you do, you know. Yeah. You, you just, Avoid the problem, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I didn't know the answer, so I was like, mm -hmm. what? Well, what do you do? You just don't know what you don't know. And then in the in the church where we were, um, it everything changed. Wow! And so from then on, you know, all these things developed. I stumbled into uh, what well, stumbled is maybe not the right word, but uh, I got so hungry for God's presence, I didn't fit in the normal youth group. So I was nineteen. I was I just wanted to worship. I wanted to prophesy. I wanted to be in God's presence. I mean. 
it was and the, all the other young people they looked at me and said we want to watch you know videos and i was like i don't get you guys so <laughs> my friend and i we started a, a uh, an interdenominational youth group uh, for kids that were um, highly involved in the occult and had no Christian background. And we started spending time with them and saw how God was touching them. And wow. then I went to different Bible schools and ended up two years being in Toronto and while the revival was happening, it had a major impact on my life and also in my wife's life. She was there too at similar times. And uh, we actually found out we were there at the same time for our first conference, you know, and uh, it, that was in, in 97. And but she, you didn't meet there? You didn't No, meet. no, no. She was 15 then, you know, and I was, right, right. you know, I was a little bit older, but uh, but uh, she went there with her mom and I went there with my dad. It's mm -hmm. amazing how, you know, these things came together. But yeah. it, it's like God, you know, the father just coming and... Um, and my my heart was just I was I was so hungry. So we we did anything and everything that we could think of, you know, to get closer or to you know you know be open up. And we we you know we I remember times I would listen to a teaching on forgiveness or something like that or or healing and and some from a conference that my dad went and I would. God, you know, audio tapes and God would touch me and, and talk to me and say, you need to repent right now to, you know, go find your dad. And and, and I would run down and they would were in the garden. And I said, we need to, you need to drop everything. I need to repent of stuff, you know, just, um, and wow. one of the, one of the teachings, which is really fun. It was like, um, it was talking about healing and about how some people, you know, in their spine, they, they get a, a like a, a twist, um, or bend and you, you know, it's coliosis, they call it, I think also mm -hmm. in English. I think so. And I, I had that and I had massive mm -hmm. problems as a teenager. I had to go to a therapist, a physical ther therapist and train and all of that. And um, and while I was listening to the teaching, the guy said, normally when that happens, one you 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 were bending away from one of your parents, and God said you bend away from your dad, mm. and I knew that, and so I I ran down, I grabbed them, and said, Dad, I need to repent. I I just listened to the tape, and and you know I'm so sorry, and forgive me. And he's like, of course, and and so he prayed for me, and and I was healed. From that point on, I, I didn't have wow. any problems with my back anymore. <clears throat> wow. And so it just kept on developing. So I we went to Bible schools and I, I, I spent, um, spent some time in Africa as a youth pastor. And then um, I went, came back and I was um, pastoring in Germany. I was ordained on three continents, in Canada, in, in, in Africa, and then also in Germany. And so I was a Pentecostal pastor for a while and did a lot of blinded youth cell groups and, and all kinds of stuff. It was really an exciting time. And then yeah. um, I was called to um, to start the School of Revival in Raleigh, North Carolina. And that's what you mentioned. Right. And uh, it was an incredible time, very challenging, but amazing. We were able to just start up a school from mm -hmm. scratch with, with nothing, basically. So I was able to write curriculum and really make it into, you know, something that my heart was beating for. Right. And, but I mean, I, I had completed my, my MA in theology in between. And, and so I think, you know, I, I've, I was ready to, to do something. On the what I've side. noticed about you and Lisa too, but it's that you're, always learning you know i think y'all are just you just both love love learning and and i do too that's um something i love to do read and you know always say oh have you read this latest book and you know but so um and you now you're working on your uh doctorate yeah that's awesome it's just, it's just started yeah um, i've 
you know, a couple of years more to go, but I'm very excited because it's very practical mm -hmm. at the same time as very academic. So it has a high academic quality, but it's practical. It's a, a doctorate in ministerial leadership, and I will be able to look and assess some of the stuff we're doing. We, 2013, when we came back from Raleigh, or we came to Germany, for me, it was coming back. Lisa never had been in Germany. Uh, we started our ministry here in Germany. We already had a ministry in the States. It's called Awake Europe. Mm -hmm. And then we started Awake Europe Germany and we started a publishing company. That's awesome. Lisa looked at me and said, you know, you're always about books, always books, books, mm -hmm. books, you know, and you always talk about it. So why don't you do it? You know, just step out, start something. And mm -hmm. so we, we did start publishing books and uh, started ministering, you know, into the churches, Father Heart, Inner Healing, Prophetic, uh, Lisa with Creativity, of course. Mm -hmm. And um, and then 2017, God spoke very clearly in my heart and said, it's time to start a school of the heart. Mm -hmm. We had yeah. supernatural stuff happen beforehand while we were in Raleigh, where God had spoken very clearly to start schools of ministries all over the world and um and it was incredible it just connected with an angelic encounter at starbucks it was just amazing some of the stuff that happened and so when when god said now it's the time i knew we needed to start the school of the heart so we did and um it's a very different ministry setup in germany and then it is in the us um we have maybe three percent born again believers mm -hmm. out of 84 million people so wow. it's and out of the three percent is maybe half percent that is charismatic pentecostal or something like that or less so um very different setup but we started the school and um so we we, we really felt to start a school that would train and equip people but especially in helping them to stay in their context. So they wouldn't have to go to Toronto or to go to, to um, Raleigh or to Bethel or Reading or wherever, but they could stay in, in their context mm -hmm. where they were and, and experience God's love. And we, we, we are teaching them how to hear God's voice. We use Mark Workler's Four Keys, mm -hmm. Marky Mark, who yep. we love and honor. And uh, and then we teach Father Heart and inner healing and then, you know, the prophetic, um, how to live a prophetic life um, out of the presence of God. Yeah. And so um, we started doing that and um, we have been doing that now for four years. Um, we had about 150, just over 150 people go through the school. It's only one evening a week. That's the other thing that we were very specific on that anyone could do it. If you're a mom, if you're, you know, you're working, you you have payments for your house, you know, all of that. Um, it it was supposed to be a school for for you and me, for everyone, you know, that, mm -hmm. that was hungry and said, I want to get trained. I want to grow in my relationship with God and so on. So we very excited mid-September, we will start the English version for the first time and oh, that's awesome. uh, so there are doors opening up in germany at the moment to u.s military personnel that um that are hungry for more of the holy spirit mm -hmm. and maybe even some people in the u.s who knows our yeah. and uk yeah that sounds very exciting yeah it does so i wanted to talk to you also just about um i guess you know, both of our lives were so founded on the father heart yeah. um, revelation. Yeah. And, um, but it's interesting that so much of the body of Christ really still is not walking in that revelation. Yeah. And they actually are, um, a lot of people still have the idea, you know, I'm a sinner saved by grace, but I'm still a sinner, you know, yeah. and so their life is really defined by that. Yeah. And um, so I just wanted to talk to you about that. Um, so that because I think a lot of people are still walking under that condemnation. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, we, we talked about it before a little bit, it's, it's, it has to do a lot with perspective. Mm -hmm. And um, where, wh whatever we focus on, whatever we, um, whatever we um, yeah, behold, uh, that we will become. 
And so um, I think, you know, of course, the Bible says, you know, we, we, we do sin and we are sinners and, and all of that. But the Bible says a lot of other stuff, too. And it came also in the Reformation, but also before that, where the, certain theologians, also a, a lot of theologians that were trained in, in legal matters, uh, started focusing on the whole issue of sin and forgiveness as the center of the message. And it is a central part of the Christian life. But um, the Orthodox Church, for example, um, focuses much, much more, comes from a place of imago Dei, meaning you identify first as being made in the image of God, you know, and mm -hmm. carrying the image of God rather than yeah. being a sinner. And what that does, and what we experience also the moment we start, you know, refocusing on what what God has done and what he's given us, you know, that grows and then we can much easier deal with the sin um, that is still sometimes there and uh, where we need also help. But um, it, it, it really speaks to our identity yeah. and what we think about ourselves and yeah. what we focus on. Yeah. And uh, like I said, you know, the second Corinthians 3, 8, 3, 18 tells us um, in beholding his glory, we are being transformed into his image by the spirit from glory to glory. And <clears throat> I, I remember thinking about that, that scripture and, and, uh, and I said, oh, God, you know, I want to be transformed. I want to be transformed. I want to be transformed. And, and I felt God really, he was, he was like, Stefan, you know, everybody always wants to be transformed. Everybody wants to be transformed. The whole church wants to be transformed. Or, yeah, at least that's how it felt like. And he yes. said, I can assure you, my son, it's, it's, the question is not about transformation. And I was like, okay. And he said, you know, the question, because you are being transformed every minute of your life, every second of your life, you're being transformed. The question is, what do you behold? Mm. Whatever ha you behold, you will transform into. And then people look at me and say, oh, yeah, I don't know. I said, well, have you ever been angry with somebody? And then, you know, three hands goes up, go up. And I say, well, the, the rest, you know, God forgives you for lying, you know. And, uh, and I said, so how is that when somebody hurts you or you're angry with somebody and you're replaying that scenario over and over again, does the anger grow stronger or less strong? And it grows stronger. Why? Well, whatever you behold, you will become. That's why the scripture says in Hebrews, you know, that we should not receive the grace of God in vain so that, you know, a, 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 bit, a root of bitterness would grow in us and, uh, and defile many. So, you know, when, we, when we're not dealing with the negative thing in our heart and we keep on focusing on it, it will grow mm -hmm. and it will, um, it will transform us and it has an effect on other people around us. So, um, so it's really important um, to see where, what we think, who we are, and what our identity is. I mean, the main thing that the, the enemy does is he's trying to give us an identity. As much as our Father in Heaven is trying to bring us into the identity he's already given us. You know, if Ephesians 1, 4 and 5 says that before the foundations of the earth, the Father in heaven predestined and chose you to be, you know, a son in mm -hmm. Jesus in Christ Jesus. So before you were even created, before you know you or bef yeah, before you were born, long, long, long before you were born, God saw us and He said, "Anna is amazing. Anna is my daughter. Anna is okay." And um, and we can live from and we need to live from his yes over our lives, yes. because if you don't live from the yes over your life that God speaks over, you will look for that yes in other places. Mm, yeah. And that's how we get I heard into it said trouble. that the enemy tries to if if he can't keep us from becoming a Christian, yeah. he'll at least try to keep us uh, uh, bound yeah, and not I, free, yeah. you know, and yeah. so. That's, that's why he's very happy for us to focus on sinning and not sinning and all of that, because then, you know, 
you can't think about much else if that's if yeah. that's your whole focus you know yeah, we, we're basically stuck then but and the other thing that we started realizing is that basically our whole life you know there are two fathers they are both trying to get us into the identity that they have for us yeah so there's a father in heaven father of love a father of light that is trying to uh, bring you into into sonship from you know his love and there's the father of lies mm -hmm. and it works the same way as it you know as it worked in the in the garden of eden you sometimes you know people think well i'm not following satan i'm, I'm not you know i'm not in the occult mm -hmm. saying well right. neither was adam <laughs> right mm -hmm. but he listened to the wrong father Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of what we do is help Christians to understand which voice to listen to and help them to hear the voice of the Father and then also to say no to the voice of the enemy. Because if you listen to the liar, you listen, if you believe the lie, you empower the liar in your life. Yeah. And then you become a follower. In, in, in all honesty, it's discipleship. Yes. It's a form of also sonship. That doesn't mean you lose your, your, you lose your salvation or stuff like that. But, you know, you will transform into the one you're listening to. Yeah, that's very true. I remember um, there's, uh, when I was growing up, you might find this hard to believe, but I rode a motorcycle. And, I can um, do that. <laughs> So my dad was training me and he said, if you, if there's a big hole coming up, you don't yeah. look at the hole, you yeah. look around it because yeah. if you're just focused on that hole yeah. or big rock or whatever, you're going to drive into it. Yeah. And yeah. so I think about that when we're thinking about, you know, what, what should our life focus be? Yeah. And, um, you know, it shouldn't be on just, you know, the mistakes that we make or, you know, yeah. just, oh, I can't sin today. You know, yeah. I mean, how limiting is that? You know, we need yeah. to focus on who God really says that we are. And, and I do believe, you know, we all start up with, um, or most of us when we pray, I mean, I talked about what happened when I, you know, encountered Jesus. You know, you invite Jesus into your life. Generally, that's what, mm -hmm. what we pray. We say, Jesus, come into my life. I give you my life, come into my life. And that's a good thing. But um, it basically means you're still in control because you're inviting him into your life. Mm -hmm. And I think what God is doing all the time, but especially in this season, he's coming to us, to his children, to his church and saying, I, I want to invite you into my life. Mm. That's very good. And that's really a good. completely different perspective. And, you know, another thing uh, that came uh, when we're thinking about this tonight was a story with Raphael. Raphael is our most amazing, nearly five-year-old son uh -huh. who um, um, is, you know, just uh, really the joy of our life. It's, it's amazing. We love him. And he's just super smart, super good-looking from you know got it from his mom of course and uh and it's just communicative it's, it's just connector he's it's just super sweet mm -hmm. and uh and uh, a year ago he had this face with road signs or road traffic signs you know mm -hmm. and he, i tell you i mean he wanted to know any sign we drove by in the car you know he was asking what sign is this and uh, i don't know if, if you ever realized there are like hundreds of signs, you know, it's like nearly impossible to drive when you try to tell, you know, at the same time to your son, what, you know, what the sign means. But he had this thing. And so we bought him a game and he, he learned all the traffic signs, you know, oh. H3, you know, he could have passed his uh, theoretical driver's test probably <laughs> easy. <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. I was sitting with him with the carts and he knew everything. Wow. And uh, so we, we would walk up to the kindergarten every day, I still do, and there is this sign just close to the kindergarten, and it's, it, it shows a parent and a kid running away and the parent running after it, basically saying, be careful, you know, kids playing or running around. 
And so he looked at the, the sign and uh, he said, look at the sign. I said, yeah. So I said, well, what does that mean? And he said, well, yeah, the kids are having fun and the parents are running after them, you know, and we had a good laugh. And and uh, it's like, yeah, you know, you shouldn't run away. And he's like, yeah, well, and then we were getting closer to the sign. And he said "Dad, the sign is so big now. The sign has grown. And and I said, no, Raphael, the sign does not grow. It's, you know, we come closer. That's why it looks bigger. And then God spoke to me and said, you need to understand if the enemy looks really big in your life, you have become too close to him. Mm. And if I look very small, it's not that I've become smaller. It's just you're looking in the wrong direction. Mm. Yeah, that's really you good. You need to change your perspective. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So that's so good. That's why repentance means you know you turn. Mm -hmm. It's so that you can have the right perspective again. So you can live from a place of Imago Dei, you know, I'm made in the image of God, and you see who you are, and therefore you can overcome. That's the whole thing also with, you know, submit to God resist the devil and he will flee. What does submit to God mean? Does it mean that I'm groveling around? No, it means I start agreeing with him that I'm made in his image. It's one of the mm -hmm. first things we need to do. And then that he loves me, that he's chosen me before the foundations of the earth. He's seen me and he, you know, he's chosen me for sonship. And out of that, I say no to the enemy because I know who I am. And then I can say no to him and then the enemy will flee. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. This morning I was reading also um, Romans 8, and um, I was just going to point this out to people because I think it goes along with what we're talking about. Yeah. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Um, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has freed oh. me from the law of sin and death. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just, feel, it just feels so liberating when we yeah. think about it that way. We're, yeah. we're not supposed to be trying to live out the law. You know, uh, mm. we're, we're in, we're living under the spirit of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like um, some of you might have heard of James and Denise Jordan, and you yes. know um, I was in um, in Orama in New Zealand on a remote island with them for four uh, three months, and then another month in in um, where they were in Taupo, um helping them to run a father heart school in that was two thousand and eight, I think. And it was just an incredible experience. And um, and I was there when um, Denise, who is an amazing prophetic teacher, if you've mm -hmm. never heard of her, you need to get some of her teachings. It's life changing. And they're yes, one absolutely. of the few people I know where you when you listen to them speak, you're getting transformed. It's yes, absolutely. And obviously, you need to receive it. But um, but there's such an, an anointing on, you know, and they hardly pray for people either. It, the ministry happens when they're speaking because they're yes, prophetic yes. teachers. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. But I was there when she spoke for the first time on her revelation on the two trees in the garden. Uh, yeah. It was unbelievable. The presence of God and all these lights were going on. I was thinking, this is it. This this is it, you know, this is the, you know, you either live by the law or you live by the spirit, you either live by, you know, the the, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you know, and you mm -hmm. have to put everything into good and evil, you have to judge everything, you judge yourself. And that's what we're talking about. You know, you say, oh, I'm a sinner, I'm bad, I'm, you know, I've done this wrong, but then you're judging everybody else. And you basically, that's consumes your whole life mm -hmm. and then there's the yes. other option you know where paul says in, in galatians 3 you know you, you you foolish galatians who has bewitched you you know you started in the spirit you know now you're trying to finish it in the flesh by your own strength by fulfilling the law you're saying if you try to fulfill the law you're under the law and you're under a curse you will never be able to do that right but it's like heavy know, weights on people yeah, yeah it's and it's impossible Mm -hmm. It's the moment we, we move into that realm, we are actually placing ourselves under a curse and not one that God 
degrade over us. It's just, it's impossible to, to do this. And, and then he, he goes on and says, you know, because Jesus went on the cross and he died for us because everyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. And God spoke to me while, while Denise was speaking and saying, so the tree of life, that is Jesus, was crucified on the tree of knowledge and good, of good and evil so that you would have access again to the tree of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, so good. So good. And I think, uh, you know, it seems like a lot of people right now are feeling like that maybe they've been in teaching for a long time that is more focused on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They probably didn't know how to, what to call it, but just heavy weights and rules yeah. and regulations. And, yeah. um, but it seems like a lot of people, their eyes are opening that wow. that doesn't feel like authentic Christianity. Yeah. And they're, they're thinking, okay, but what do I do now? You know, I'm, I don't agree with what my church has been teaching, Yeah. but I feel kind of maybe displaced or something. Like, what do you yeah. say to people in that situation? Have you been in a situation like that? Yeah. Sign up for the school of the heart. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> no. But um, yeah, of course, you know, we've, most of the people we have been around, um, you know, we, we go through that process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is an amazing time to reimagine faith and church and and reimagine it from a place of relationship rather than the law. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Yeah. You know, you were made for relationship, not to fulfill the law. The law is fulfilled in love, which is relationship. So that's what the scripture says. You know, the only way to fulfill the law is by, you know, the law of the spirit of life, which is yes. love, which is, you know, living in love. That's what Jesus said, you know, when they ask him in Matthew 22, 34 to 40, I think it is, um, where, where it says, you know, they ask him, what is the, the greatest of the commandments? And um, what is the, the greatest of the laws? And of course, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were, in a sense, they were trying to trick him. And trying to you know find something they can pin on him and right. uh, but also they were sincere because they were very sincere about you know following god they were like a little bit like the revival movement of our time uh, but they they really get a bad rap most of the times with us oh. but they were sincere they wanted to protect the teachings um the hebrew teachings and theology from the influence of the greek theology and uh, the obviously the uh, streams that were there at the time in, in philosophy and stuff. So th there was some, I believe there was some truth to it. And they had to fulfill over 600 laws. So there was something in them that they wanted to know. So what do we actually need to do? Mm -hmm. yes. And Jesus looked at them and said, you know, you need, all you need to do is to love the Lord your God with all your strength, all your might, all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. In this is fulfilled the whole, you know, Torah. Yeah, the whole law. Yeah. yeah and the prophets, so the whole, everything that was written. And uh, and in that, I think we, we find like a, a, Jesus saying, the reason why you are on this planet is, is a one reason that is threefold. And the one reason is, is relationship, a loving, healthy, good relationship. First of all, to God, then to yourself, and then to others. Yeah. And, and they're all interlinked. And we know that. I mean, John, John, uh, the apostle tells us in first John, we love God because he first loved us. Yeah. And uh, so we, we are enabled and it, it becomes possible for us to really love God by receiving his love first. So and there, that's another thing where a lot of people are not getting it or are not, they don't understand what that means. They think if I have a theological understanding of the love of God, that will do it. But it's not. It's like being married and your spouse is trying to pour love into you and love you. And you have to decide if you receive that love or mm -hmm. not, you know. Right. 
knowing that Lisa loves me is one thing. Allowing her to love me is another thing, because that means I need to lower my walls in my heart. I need to become um, touchable. I need to become, um, what's the word? Um, being able to be wounded and... and um, Vulnerable. Vulnerable yeah. is the mm -hmm. word. Thank you. Yeah. And of course, because we when we get hurt, we close our heart because that's where we receive love. That's where we give love. That's where we feel. And so the first level of that uh, reason or the first level why, why you dare is to love God. But you can only really love him when you receive his love. And then Second Corinthians 3.18 kicks in, in beholding his glory. We are being then transformed back into the original image, into the Imago Dei that you were created in. Yeah. And you get transformed and then you start ending up liking yourself. Yes. Isn't that amazing? Yes. And I'm sure some very religious people might have a little problem even thinking about, you know, liking yourself, um, you know, but because they're used to beating themselves up so much. But the reality is, and Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That means if you're angry with yourself, when you talk to other people or your spouse or your kids, your anger will come out of you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, when we are being transformed and, and there is also the reality of we are being transformed also when we give away love, you know, it's not just we, you know, sit there for 20 years, just try to receive and be happy with ourselves. I'm not advocating for that, but there is a there is something where, you know, in beholding him in meeting him in, we are being changed and we are actually being freed from the expectations of the world, our own expectations, our religious expectations, and we can start really doing what he has called us to do. And one of these things is to love our neighbor as ourselves. So um, again, if you don't have love for yourself, you will have really hard time loving your neighbor and it becomes a duty and it becomes and people know, you know, if you're not happy with God and you're not happy with yourself, people know and they think, I don't want to have what you have. Right, right. I, I can see you're angry with yourself, with your wife, with your kids or with your husband and whatever. I don't. I don't need, I already have that problem, you know, I don't need um, that. So, you know, but God comes and he changes us and he, he wants to meet us. He wants to kiss us on, a, on our forehead and, and tell us, you're my son, you're my daughter, like he did with Jesus. You know, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased before Jesus did anything in ministry. My hope for people is that when they're maybe their eyes are starting to be opened to legalism that they're encountering that they don't throw god out with that teaching you know to understand that that god really has nothing to do with that and they can still have a wonderful amazing relationship you know with our heavenly father and yeah, yeah. Uh well, in that also, you know, um, is, and we, we talked about it before too, um, is the whole concept of uh, success, which mm. is driving us and our society and our churches tremendously. And the problem is that we, we see success uh, or we draw our definition of success more out of a neoliberal uh, understanding of capitalism than out of the scriptures and the kingdom of God. So basically, the bigger, the better, the faster, the better, the, the more people, the more blessing. Now, I don't, I'm really not against reaching lots of people. But if this is the driving force, and this is the thing that um, defines who you are, then you, you're, you're basically living yeah, more or less for mammon, because that's what is really behind it. It's power control, it's success in that mm -hmm. sense. When uh, really, it's really changed lives, changed hearts are, is what we, as ministers, we should, you know, maybe judge our, our success or um, effectiveness. Maybe it's a, a good word. 
you know, we we come to a place where we um, look at it from uh, John ten twenty seven. You know, Jesus says, "There, my sheep hear my voice. Mm-hmm. I know them, and the work." knowing is gnosis which just has to do with intimacy it's not it's not head knowledge it's an intimate knowing of the person and they follow me and if that for me is uh, what we could define as success in the kingdom of god mm, yes having a relationship with god you know it's the first again it's the first level of the lord your god let him love you and love him and be with him be transformed in that out of that, you know, there is Gnostics, this, this deep um, relationship, intimacy that, that we live out of and we live in. And, um, and then in that, I mean, one of the big other big things that is often thrown around in, in Christianity is the word faith, especially in our circles that are more Pentecostal, charismatic, mm-hmm. evangelical where we connect with and which we love, you know, but most of the people, they don't have any understanding what faith actually means, you know, it's often this, this big term or terminology that is just thrown around. And when you look into the Greek, um, it's the same root word as trust. So faith is actually trust and trust grows in relationship. Hopefully, you know, when you are in Mm -hmm. a good relationship, when you're in a bad relationship, trust will not grow. And so if you're in a good relationship with God, trust will grow in your heart. Mm-hmm. And that leads to the third uh, part of John 10, 27. And then they will follow me, Jesus says, you know. Um, a, a lot of people are struggling with that because, you know, in a, in a rightful way, in a sense, because, you know, you should never, ever follow somebody you don't trust. Right. And that's why so many of us struggle when God comes to us and asks us something or invites us to join him in something. We realize we really don't have trust because we really haven't invested and be part of a relationship that is deep and meaningful and intimate. And that often has come through the toxic images that have been portrayed by, you know, Church, yeah, he's been misre- misrepresented a lot of yeah. times. Yeah, and so I, you know, we, we don't want to have a deeper relationship, and therefore trust can't grow, and therefore we can, will not step into the things that God has for us. So it's a vicious circle. But when we start really meeting the Father and really meeting the Son, who has said, you know, I'm the truth, the way, and the life, and then. You know, no one comes to the Father except for me basically saying, I'm the way to the Father. You know, if we really meet Jesus and let him do what he wants, what what he wants to do with us, he will take us to his Father. He will bring us back into the loving community of the Trinity, as Baxter Kruger or C.S. Lewis would say. And we can rejoin the divine dance or, you know, you know, and, and live our lives you know, dancing to the music and the rhythm of heaven rather than our own. And it goes back into, are we willing to let go of our fears that lead us to control our life and to control others, which is a perfect way to live if you are under the law, because, you know, then you have control and you think you have control, but you don't really have control. And so it, it you know, that for me, success is you know, if I hear his voice, if I'm in relationship with him, with myself, with others, and then out of that, those relationships grows trust, and I do what he's calling me to do. And that means if the School of the Heart, for example, has five students, then that's fine. If, they have, if we have 500, that's great too. But that does not define us or that does not make us not do it. I mean, we, we had that a couple, we had two years ago, we were at the point weeks before the start and we had five or six students. And I freaked out because, you know, it also generates income for us and all kinds mm-hmm. of, we're self-employed, so we don't have a big ministry or church backing us. But, you know, after a while I was like, you know, God, this is our mandate. 
this is what you've given us, Father, and you're faithful and you're good. And I will run the school if there are five students hmm. because I know you know what we need and you will bring the finances in in another way if, you know, if we just end up with five students. And in the end, we had 40, so it was good. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> it was a real breakthrough but mm -hmm. for us. But it makes life challenging but easier because you're not dependent on the other stuff and not dependent on the other yeses, like we talked about that before. You know, you're not waiting for that everybody says yes to, you know, or, or you need to look for their yes to be okay. We are okay because he said yes to us. And now we can say yes to others and we can say yes to him and follow him and do what he's calling us to do rather than looking for approval or for whatever from other people or from, you know, our jobs, you know, that we need to hit that certain level of income. So then I can maybe do what God has called me to do. And, and it's like, well, it's okay. If you want this, that's fine. But, you know, it's when we step out with him and we've heard his voice and we know him that the miracles happen. And we yeah. want to see that. We want to see our world changed, you know. And yeah, it is absolutely, and it, which means it's a walk of trust. Yes, it is. I just I love what you're talking about because there's a lot of just life and freedom in, yeah. in it. So, so I'm gonna in just a minute ask you to just pray over people listening. But um, first, real quick, what would if you are. Um, people are listening that are examining their faith, really looking at, okay, what do I believe? What, what, what recommendations do you have for them? Again, it's, it's all about relationship. If you can focus on that, that you grow in relationship with the one person that made you, that loved you even before you were born, that chose you, and you can invest in that and you can start loving yourself more and start just loving the people around you mm -hmm. um, and focus on, you know, wherever you've been hurt, get healing, you know, healing comes from him, but healing comes also from him in, in processes that we apply ourselves to, you know. And uh, I know I, you've been trained with RTF. We've been mm -hmm. trained with RTF. There's amazing ministries out there. There's um, therapy out there. There's all kinds. You know, if we, when we are broken and uh, when we are hurt, um, and that's mostly what happens when we are examining our faith, you know, it's because mm -hmm. we, you know, we, we went through a tough time. Our hearts close up. And with a closed heart, it's very hard to, uh, to, to be in relationship or to grow in relationship. I mean, God goes with it. He, he will never leave you. The Bible tells that to us. He, you know, he's, he, nothing can separate you from his love. But right. th that doesn't mean that, you know, when we close our heart, that we feel his love all the time. You know, most, mostly what happens when we close our hearts is that uh, we stop feeling and we stop being able to receive. We also stop some of the pain, but um, that's no way long term to live. And if there, you know, if you have gone through abuse or, you know, traumatic experiences, there are processes that we all have to go through. And, um, you know, sometimes it takes longer, sometimes it's shorter, sometimes you have an amazing encounter with God. But if you can invest in meeting him and and also be real with who, where you're at. Yeah. Invite God in there and other people that you trust. Yeah. This and he's safe. That's know. the thing about God. Sometimes we, you know, when people have been hurt in situations, maybe by leaders or something, mm -hmm. then um, it's easy to think, well, church is not safe. Certain leaders mm -hmm. are not safe, but I just want people to come away with the knowledge that yeah. God is a safe place yeah. for, yeah. for them and in yeah. his, his love, you know, brings that comfort, brings that yeah. uh, restoration. And ah. so, yeah. yeah. 
And we all need that. We all need mm -hmm. his yes over our lives. You were, we were created for that. Yeah. We were, you know, we can't really live outside of a deep and meaningful relationship with him. It's like um, driving your car without oil, you know, your car was not created to drive without oil, you know, right. unless you have an electric car, or, uh, you know, but even mm -hmm. then, with no electricity, forget it, you know, it's not working. And the problem is, we have come to a place where we think we, we can live quite okay without a meaningful deep relationship. And, and most of the things in our lives have become more important. And they are driving us. And that's one of the reasons why we crash. Often is one of the reasons why we also, if there is abuse, if there is, hurt, if there are hurtful things that happen, why we stay sometimes too long. Because there are other things um, that are still where we're insecure, where we don't know, or that are dominating us. And um, and I do believe this is a really amazing time in a season where you know there's always there's always grace. You know, God is all. He you know there's everything we have everything we do is all by grace it's all yes. from him but there is a special i really feel that as a special time a special grace on this time to deal with our stuff to go mm -hmm. to him to run to him to because there are new things coming you know I, we are reimagining church we are reimagining faith and so is god yes and he he is preparing something new. I really do believe that. But I he, agree. You know, it's an as, exciting time. It really yeah. is. Yeah. But it, it's like with the, the the people of Israel that that went into the promised land. You know, in Joshua three, um, one of the things that really struck out to me was that that you know the the priest told the people to. Uh, to have a distance to the Ark of the Covenant, not because mm -hmm. the Ark was so holy, not because. Um, you know, they shouldn't touch it, they probably shouldn't at that time, but, uh, but because they had not walked this way before. Mm -hmm. And God spoke to me as, before Corona hit, it was a year before or a couple of months before, he said, you need to tell the people the only way to get into the promised land is following his presence. This is the only strategy that will get you in, because yeah. this is a way we have never walked before. And then when you move on in Joshua 5, you know, there's the, the first thing that happens after they had crossed the Jordan on empty, you know, on, not on empty, on dry land, the fear, you know, fell on the enemy. And you think that would be the right time, militarily speaking, to, you know, launch the m most massive assault that you can launch, you know, especially if you're standing in front of Jericho. But what did God do? He said, well, I want to circumcise you. Mm. go and get the knives, the stones and circumcise them. And if you look into, you know, Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, you know, it talks about circumcision and it says it's a circumcision of the heart, you know, so that you can love the Lord your God. It's, again, it's all about relationship. It's about God saying, this is not your strength that will get you into the promised land. It's not your ability. It's not your doctorate or your master's or your you know it's not your counseling degree it's not it's not the connections you have or you know mm -hmm. the book deals or being on anna's podcast or whatever you know this is not yeah it's all these things that are pulling on our hearts you know right. it's real yeah and uh not, not if you know of course but but god is saying no this is not working it's it's me it's your love to me and my love to you and mm -hmm. you know the covenant I made with you and I'm making with you, this is what will bring you in. And then it goes on the next thing. And in that, after they have, you know, it, it takes quite a while for this to heal. It's very painful, you know, especially if you think about stone knives. I don't want to go there. But, ah, but so the, the fear is on the enemy. You're thinking we can take it over. And then God says, no, no. This is not about your strength. This is about me yeah. covenant with you, giving my whole life to you and making sure that we are in a loving relationship. And then he says, um, you know, I will, I will roll away the shame and the heaviness of Egypt of you. 
-hmm. and they called this place Gilgal, place of rolling off. You know, God doesn't want our shame, our heaviness, all that stuff that the enemies placed on us and tried to place in us come into the promised land. Into mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so, so good. So there's a prophetic word right there for you. Mm -hmm. God has a Gilgal for you right now, right at this moment. He is wanting to meet you. He's wanting to roll away the shame of your life so you can face Jericho, see that walls crumble, because they would not probably have obeyed God in the way they did and mm -hmm. seen the walls come down if they still would have been under the shame of Egypt. Yeah. And that's where most of us are. God is trying to get us into the new season, into the promised land, and we're still stuck in the shame of Egypt where we've you know messed up, where we've maybe burned in the beginning with the Holy Spirit and then turned away, or where we you know got bewitched like the Galatians and we started up you know, in the Spirit and we, we tried to complete it in the flesh. And God's yeah. saying, this is a new time, it's a new season. It and is. I want to I get you into the promised land, whatever that means to you. Yeah. But I will do it. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. We're going to uh, close, but I was wondering if you would just um, pray quickly over the people that are listening and, yeah. and, and watching. I, I will do that. And I, I really feel that this is, you know, this is really a, a word for you. So, Father, I just pray that you will meet us <laughs> afresh and that the shame of Egypt would be rolled away, the shame of our past the shame of, you know, mistakes that we've made, things where we haven't forgiven ourselves, things where um, where we started maybe in the spirit and we, we, we came under this religious thing and we tried to complete it in our own strength. And thirdly, also the shame where, you know, we've where we've believed and we've prayed and things did not work out the way we wanted it and we expected it. And Father, I just I just ask you to come right now. You're there already. You, you love all of us. You are there. And Father, would you come and and meet us right where we are, right where each person is? Father, thank you for sending angels. I saw angels before we started and there were angels there and and uh, to roll also those stones away, to roll the shame away to for Gilgal to happen tonight or today wherever you are and father we we just want to receive your love so if you if you can just put your hands on your heart if you want that and just tell him just repeat after me if you want to say father i receive you loving me right now and i break agreement with any form of shame in my life anything that is holding me back to trust you more i break agreement with right now i break agreement with any lie that is holding me back and i choose to forgive myself and the people who have hurt me and who have contributed to me living under shame or believing these lies. Father, thank you that your yes over our lives rings through time and space. <laughs> your word says that before the foundations of the earth were made, you said yes to each one of us. And I want to speak this yes over you. I want to speak this yes over you, Anna. I want to speak God's, the Father's yes also over myself and over each and every one who is listening. The Father sees you and he says yes to you and he embraces you and he's loving you right now, right at this moment. Ha, Father, would you wash away 
all the lies, all the shame, all the heaviness, all the religious stuff that is sucking the life out of your people. And Father, we break agreement also with that control thing that is found in trying to follow the law. Father, we cannot control you. We don't want to control other people. Father, we want to live a life of love and a life according to the Spirit and according to the law of the Spirit. That is life. So, Father, we agree today again to break agreement with those lies and with any form of control and we let it go because we know you have a better plan and we know we have not walked this way before. Um, would you come and lead us and guide us and be with us as you have promised? Yes. Amen. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I just felt like some people are going to be feeling like kind of like weights coming off of their their shoulders <laughs> and just a fresh freshness and a lightness coming to people but, amen thank you thank you so much and um yeah i think people are going to be really refreshed by this and thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today i appreciate it it's an honor to be with you guys to be with you anna Thank you so Thank much you. for taking the time and letting me share my heart. Thank you for listening. For more information or other resources, please visit our website at definedbygod.com and be sure to subscribe to our podcast and email list. Until next time, please know that you are very loved by your Heavenly Father.